The following podcast is based on the Cambridge A-Level History Curriculum. Greetings fellow history students, or those interested in history. In the coming months, I will be studying for the A-Level History Examinations. Each topic for the examination will have its own podcast series. For Paper 3, I am studying the Holocaust. For Paper 4, I am studying the European Option. Theme 1, Mussolini's Italy. Theme 2, Stalin's Russia. Theme 3, Hitler's Germany. And Theme 4, Britain, from 1919 to 1939. In this episode, I'll be giving an introduction to the three dictators, Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, and Benito Mussolini. Adolf Hitler was born on April 20th, 1889 in Brunau am Inn, Austria. He committed suicide on the 30th of April, 1945, in the Führer in Berlin, Germany. Let's begin with his background before politics. During his childhood, Hitler was evidently intelligent, although he was uninterested in his formal education, apart from history, which preached German nationalism. He was unwilling to identify with the working class as he believed he was superior, despite him being in an inferior social position due to his poverty. This led him to having an intensed opposition to socialism. After failing to obtain formal qualifications, he failed as an artist and began living in men's hostels from 1909 to 1913, where he sold his reproductions of famous sites. In August 1914, upon the outbreak of war, Hitler joined the army. During his service, he was not put up for promotion and it was noted to be due to a lack of leadership qualities. Despite this, he did receive the Iron Cross First Class Award, which showed that he did not lack courage. At the age of 30, in September 1919, Hitler embarked on a political career. Hitler was first introduced to the Nazi party when he was employed by the army to spy on the German Workers' Party, the old name of the Nazi party. He attended several of their meetings and realised that he actually agreed with many of their ideas. After speaking at one of their meetings, leader Anton Drexler was impressed with his public speaking skills and invited Hitler to join the party. He was put in charge of recruitment and propaganda as he was a very talented speaker. In 1920, Hitler wrote a new 25-point programme that listed the Nazis' beliefs. In 1921, Hitler set up the Sturmabteilung, or SA, who protected Nazi party meetings and beat up political opponents. In July 1921, Hitler became the leader of the Nazi party after it had grown to 6,000 political members. By 1933, it had become the largest party in Germany, and Hitler was the Reich Chancellor. Now some key points from his dictatorial rule. Hitler was anti-Semitic. Duh. And he sent millions of Jews to concentration camps where six million Jews died, and gay people, and blacks of all ages. Hitler recruited the general population into his SS. They were responsible for reporting suspicious activities, for example, plotting against the Nazis and harboring Jews. To control Germany, Hitler had the Schutzstaffel, who had an elite army unit in World War II that was called the Waffen SS, and they were also in charge of patrolling concentration camps. The Gestapo, a secret police force controlled by the SS, and the law courts were also controlled by the Nazi party, and the pro-Nazi judges meant that a fair trial was impossible, and many were sentenced to death. Hitler's Ministry of Propaganda also controlled the radio stations, newspapers, films, music, and literature. Two common questions I was asked while studying history last year were, was World War II inevitable, and was Hitler to blame for World War II? William Shearer reflects on this, and I quote him as I say, The mind and the passion of Hitler, all the aberrations that possessed his feverish brain, had roots that lay deep in German experience and thought. Nazism and the Third Reich were but a logical continuation of German history. 
When reflecting on the two questions, this tells us that Schur believes that, yes, World War II was inevitable, even without Hitler, and it was just the nature of the German Empire. They had overcome being ruled by the French, sought more power, and lost in the First World War, for which they were punished under the Treaty of Versailles, and for this punishment, they sought revenge on those who punished them. And yes, again, they wanted more power, and with this in mind, they were led by the right-wing Nazi party led by Adolf Hitler. On to Joseph Stalin. He was born on December 18th, 1878, in Gorgi, Georgia. He died on March 5th, 1953, in Konservadacha. Before politics, Stalin grew up poor and an only child. His father was a shoemaker and alcoholic who would often beat his son, and his mother was a laundress. During his teenage years, he earned a scholarship to attend a private college in the nearby city of Tbilisi and study for a priesthood in the Georgian Orthodox Church. While there, he began to read the work of Karl Marx, who is often hailed as the founder of communism, sparking Stalin's interest in the revolutionary movement against the Russian monarchy. In 1899, Stalin was expelled from the college due to missing exams, despite his claim that it was for spreading communist propaganda, which he made to imply his lifelong cause of spreading communism. After leaving school, Stalin became a political protest leader, participating in labour-related demonstrations and strikes. Stalin also became involved in various criminal activities, including bank heists, which funded the Bolshevik Party. This resulted in multiple arrests for him between 1902 and 1913, and imprisonment and exile in Siberia. In 1912, Lenin, who had been exiled to Switzerland, appointed Stalin to serve on the first Central Committee of the Bolshevik Party. Three years later, in November 1917, the Bolsheviks seized power in Russia, began the revolution, which lasted until 1922, when the USSR was established, with Lenin as its first leader. During the Russian Revolution, Stalin had continued to move up the party ladder, and in 1922, he became Secretary General of the Central Committee of the Communist Party, a role that enabled him to appoint his allies to government jobs and grow a base of political support. After Lenin died in 1924, Stalin seized control of the Communist Party, allowing himself to become dictator of the Soviet Union. Stalin's plans to develop Russia focused on the government controlling all elements of the economy, including collectivizing Soviet agriculture. However, millions of farmers refused to cooperate with the new plans, and as punishment, they were either shot or exiled. The forced collectivization also led to widespread famine, as the farms were not managed effectively, resulting in the death of millions more. Stalin expanded the powers of the secret police, encouraging citizens to spy on one another, and millions of people were killed or sent into the Gulag system, a group of forced labour camps, as a result of this. During the second half of the 1930s, Stalin instituted the Great Purge to remove opposition to his rule. In addition to this, cities were named after him, and Soviet history books were rewritten to give him a more prominent role in the revolution and make him appear more powerful. A right-wing professor, George Babarovsky, reflects on Stalin's rule, saying he ordered someone's murder and in doing so showed that others what happened if they didn't submit to him. Minister today, dead tomorrow. That was the gruesome unpredictability of the system. From contextual knowledge, that is completely true, and it's not until after he died in 1953 that people began to oppose his actions and condemn him. After de facto ruler Georgi Malenkov, Stalin's successor, Nikita Khrushchev denounced Stalin's crimes and began a policy of de-Stalinization, removing the cult of personality that surrounded him and the Stalinist political system, which helped Stalin hold power for so long and so effectively. Obviously, we know that despite these reforms, 
Russia, or the Soviet Union, did not become a democracy, and there was still a communist dictatorship which lasted until the Soviet Union was dissolved in 1991. Finally, we look at Benito Mussolini. He was born on July 29, 1883, in Predapio, Italy. He died on April 28, 1945, in Guilino, Azano, Italy. At the age of 10, he was expelled from his first boarding school as he stabbed a fellow student. Four years later, he stabbed another student, but this time was only suspended. During the early years of his adulthood, he travelled around Switzerland. In 1909, he moved to Austria-Hungary, where he became the editor of a socialist newspaper. However, he was deported back to Italy for violating laws which restricted press freedom. In 1910, Mussolini became the editor of yet another socialist newspaper, but was jailed for six months for inciting violence. While he was imprisoned, he began writing his autobiography. Mussolini split from the Socialist Party in 1914 and started his own newspaper, encouraging violence, while unrest spread across the country. In 1915, Mussolini joined the Italian army, and he reached the rank of corporal, but was discharged after being injured fighting in World War I. By 1918, Mussolini was calling for a dictator to seize control of Italy, and in 1919, he was especially angered by the Treaty of Versailles. By the end of 1919, Mussolini entered the great election as the fascist candidate, but lost following a socialist landslide victory. In 1921, the Italian king dissolved parliament due to increased violence and chaos. In the elections, the fascists took a huge win, and Mussolini became deputy in parliament. In October 1922, fascist troops entered Rome to take the city. King Victor Emmanuel III transferred the titles of Prime Minister of Italy to Mussolini without armed conflict. Mussolini's regime changed the electoral law in 1924 to favour the fascists. Under this acerbo law, if one party got at least 25% of the votes cast in an election, they would get 66% of the seats in Parliament. During voting, the hall where politicians voted was full of armed fascist thugs who could see if he voted for or against the policy. He introduced a fascist grand council, which would decide policies for Italy without consulting the non-fascists in the government first. Like the SA did in early years, critics of Mussolini were beaten up and anti-fascist newspapers were banned. By November 1926, all rival political parties and opposition newspapers had been banned in Italy. In 1927, the OVRA, secret police force, was set up. Here is a quote by Dr. Christian Gershel, speaking about Mussolini. We, and indeed many Italians, tend to play down the role and importance of Mussolini and fascist Italy, often seeing it as more benign than Hitler and the Nazis. But this is untrue. Mussolini was the world's first fascist dictator, heading an unpleasant regime which used poison gas in Abyssinia and sent oppositionists into repressive confinement. What he says is completely true. In the 1930s against the League of Nations, Mussolini bombed and used poison gas in order to conquer Abyssinia. Why? Because again he wanted more power, and in the first Italo-Ethiopian War, which took place from the 15th of December 1894 to the 23rd of October 1896, Italy was completely and utterly humiliated, as their supposedly advanced and strong army was defeated by the army of Abyssinia, which was made up of tribal men with spears, not advanced weapons and guns like the Italians had. So again, Mussolini wanted revenge, and he wanted to compensate for this huge loss that they had experienced. Thank you for listening to this episode of my podcast. Subscribe to be notified of new A-level content podcasts over the coming year.